How many times have you heard people object to a dispensational reading of Scripture because they say, well, dispensations are a modern thing that started with John Darby in the 1800s? Well, let me tell you, that is not true. So stay with me today and we'll talk about it. We have been dealing with the subject of dispensations. This is not a new subject. It is a uh, subject that has been important in helping literally millions of people to get a conceptual theological framework in their mind of the progressive nature in which the Bible unfolds. Um, However, a dispensational reading of Scripture has, in the last few years, come under attack. And this is both within the apostolic movement, apostolic Pentecostal movement, as well as in the evangelical movement and the wider world of uh, what would generally be called Christian or biblical studies. So we have been dealing with this now for some times. We think that um, this is a mistaken approach to say that dispensational reading of the Bible is not a good thing or a proper thing uh, or a correct thing. And uh, so we're, we're going through this. Uh, we don't have a bone to pick with anybody except that doctrines have consequences and beliefs have consequences. Also, that uh, it's impossible to just, uh, since the time the Bible's written, to decide that we're going to reframe it and create something uh, out of whole cloth. So when we talk about dispensations, we have, we have already, earlier on all things apostolic, we have covered a lot of ground. We actually went through dispensational progressions in the Bible, along with uh, Pastor Jeremy Wilbanks and Pastor Miles Young. We have uh, talked about some other things on dispensations, just general things to give people an idea uh, that have never been in any kind of biblical studies of this nature of what it's all about. And uh, at this point, we are dealing with objections to dispensational readings of Holy Scripture. So if people feel like there are reasons why a dispensational approach to Scripture is uh, unhealthy or incorrect or a false doctrine or whatever, whatever uh, handle they would put on it, uh, then we need to deal with those things. We've already dealt with some. If you look at uh, the archives of All Things Apostolic, in fact, just Last week, you will see a couple of the objections that we dealt with. And so uh, today we're dealing with another objection. The objection we're dealing with today is that, and this is, this is, this is broadly talked about and assumed to be true by many, many uh, people who are in opposition to dispensational readings of Scripture. Uh, and that is that dispensa- dispensational teaching is modernistic, that it lacks historical validity, 
and isn't found in church history um, until the 1800s. And so uh, uh, first I would say that the truth is just the opposite, that dispensational readings of Scripture is far older than, uh, say, a covenantal approach to Scripture is. And uh, we'll talk about this. Uh, First, as we pointed out earlier, no concept is more ingrained in and organic to Scripture than the concept of dispensation. We talked about the use of the word dispensation comes from the Greek word oikonomia. We talked about the fact that oiki or oikos is house and orkos is house and uh, nomos is law. It's, It's the house law. It's how the house is ruled, uh, its governance of the house or the family enterprise. We looked at the fact that in the Old Testament, as well as in the Gospels, as well as in the epistles, uh, that this is the standard for how God approaches governance on the earth. It is a family kind of government. In fact, we've already seen that In the book of Ephesians, it actually talks about us being the family of God. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father. And so uh, when you look at the family of God in earth, this this is the model. So when we talk about a dispensation, we're talking about the way God administers and manages his house. And we see in Scripture that he, there is a progressive movement. There's a reason he manages his house in a particular way at a particular time because there is a meaning to history. There is a meaning to what God is doing. He is moving towards something. There is a divinely envisioned culmination of processes that the earth and the history of man is going through. And, the, and the, the purpose of the family of God, the mission of the family of God in that. And as he moves through that, God is managing his people, which are the mediators of God's message of good news to the entire human race. And God deals with his house um, in different ways as this progresses. Uh, In essence, you could say that he deals with his house in this way. Certain things are established in the household, and then when that is accomplished or matured, he moves on to a more complex, more robust, more healthy, more positively impacting way of dealing with his people. Uh, If you listen to some of the earlier sessions, you will see that this is obvious in Scripture. This is not some uh, far-out doctrine that has to be pondered. Uh, The the Bible is just full of what I'm talking about right now, but we've already talked about that, so we're not going to revisit all of that, but we want to just kind of get started here. So one of the things, and those, the household and how it's managed, a dispensation is not First and foremost, a period of time. It is a method by which God manages his house. However, when that message, uh, that method rather, that God manages his house by is realigned, or when it's adjusted, or when it's advanced, 
then the period of time in which God managed his house that way ends, and and it, the house of management now enters a new era. So these are why dispensations end up with chronologies also. So because this is one of the things that people say in opposition to dispensations, well, it's not a period of time in the first place. It's, the, it's management. It's, it's how the house is administered. And that is certainly true. But the house is not administered the same throughout the history of earth. And therefore, you can track as it moves towards the divine purposes of God. However, so the proposal of some is that the idea of a dispensational reading of Scripture was a late, uh, in, in terms of history, uh, after the beginning of the church, it was a late created theological system and wasn't taught in church history until the 1800s. That prior to that, there's, there's virtually silence about a dispensational reading of Scripture. How can you just pop out something and say it's, it's a major way to understand Scripture when you've never even heard of it until 175 years ago? And so um, if that's really true, then that's a valid point that needs to be addressed. But that's not true. Even though, and this is really ironic and quite remarkable, even though there are many scholars that are of world renown, I could name them, I've read them, um, that assume what I'm saying here as an objection to dispensational reading of Scripture, they assume that it's true that it actually did not precede the 1800s when it was uh, identified when it was articulated perhaps more exacting than ever before by a man named John Nelson Darby. John Darby was an English preacher. He was a Plymouth Brethren preacher. Uh, He was a very learned man. He also was a Bible translator, and based on the Hebrew and Greek text, uh, he actually translated the Bible into other languages. He translated it into German. He translated it into French. He translated it into English. And uh, he translated it into Dutch, at least the New Testament. And so this man was not just, you know, somebody off the street, but he was a scholar and theologian in his own right. Uh, he was born actually in 1800, exactly, and died in 1882. And he was uh, usually when you when you hear people objecting to a dispensational reading of scripture, you will hear them say, "Well, Darbyism is only 850 or 175 years old, and so obviously, you know, that's not that's not enough credence to give to something to be a major way of interpreting scripture." Uh, of course, he was not the only one during that time. His uh, ideas were widespread. People embraced this. Later, there was, in the early 1900s, there was other people that picked this up. And in the mid-1900s, in the mid-20th century, uh, Clarence Larkin wrote a book uh, called Dispensational Truth. And in that book, he made charts. He was, I think... Uh, an engineer of some sort, uh, or at least a draftsman, and he he made charts that showed all of this. They became very popular for 
uh, decades, uh, 100 years ago. And then uh, there was a study Bible that was put out by C.I. Schofield, who was a um, who was a professor and a preacher, um, I think a Baptist preacher. Uh, also later, there was C.C. Ryrie, who, who, who also put out a study Bible, both of whom espoused dispensationalism. Uh, the first one to put one out uh, of that magnitude was Schofield, and uh, it literally went around the world. It impacted people, even if, even if persons do not think that, even if they don't espouse dispensationalism, um, uh, Schofield has still been given a lot of credit for people getting into the Bible and at least understanding the stories of the Bible as a result of his presentation of what they call dispensationalism. And so uh, uh, one of the major schools that espoused it was Dallas Theological Seminary. There were many others that did also. Almost at the same time, there was a gentleman who was prominently against dispensational teaching, and uh, he was a gentleman named Philip Morrow, M-A-U-R-O. Uh, he was born in 1850. I think he died all the way to 1952, uh, lived until 1952 when he died. Uh, he was an attorney. And he was rabidly opposed to dispensational teaching. He wrote a book entitled uh, The Gospel of the Kingdom, and it was published in 1929. This book became a prominent influence in the early 20th century. And this is a primary place that the proposition was spread that a dispensational reading of Scripture was a recent teaching and lacked historical validity. This was, this was a prominent place that this got started. There may have been others, but this was a prominent place. And so others picked this up from him and repeated it without doing their own research. And this is still being done today. People, you, you will find books that people have written, including apostolic Pentecostal people, that talk about the fact, well, this is kind of a Johnny-come-lately thing that has come along and Really, we sometimes even call it Darbyism um, because they have never done their own research. If they did, they wouldn't be saying that if they're honest people, and I'm sure that they are. And so this continues to this very day. The fact is that the understanding of dispensations in Scripture is seen in church history long before there was ever a John Darby. Now, there's too many examples to give in the next lecture or two, but I'm going to give you a good number of them, and I'm going to cite them so that you can see them for yourself. So join me tomorrow. We will continue this discussion.